Historically and today, our country has been overrun by those with money and power, giving little voice to the everyday American. We're here to change that. Welcome to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. Each week, our program addresses the problems we are facing in our country, as well as thought-provoking and effective libertarian solutions. This could change the way you see opportunities in your life and your children's lives as well. Now, here is Judge Jim Gray. Hello and welcome once again, wherever you are in our great country, or as I say, around the world, this is Judge Jim Gray. So it's uh, true to the advertising. You just heard that we were going to be doing this, All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. And if you have listened to our show at all before, you understand that the theme is, if we employ libertarian approaches, libertarian values, responsibility, live and let live, equal opportunity, that sort of thing, we will literally all rise together. And we focus on a lot of things that we have in common together, uh, how we uh, how we mutually can benefit by having a free enterprise system. Yes, with some restraints, but, but with all of that, because we actually have a great system. We're going away from it, and uh, we're not rising together. You go into victimization, uh, it goes the opposite direction, that we need to have incentives for people to try to improve themselves, to earn the extra dollar. That's the libertarian way, and we are, we're proud to to promote it. I can actually say that it was Thomas Jefferson who said that if we are to guard against ignorance and remain free, it is the responsibility of every American to be informed. And that's what we're trying to do here on All Rise. Uh, I obviously don't have all the answers, and if I run into somebody that does, I run as fast as I can in the other direction. But I can tell you, if you want to find anybody with has a lot of the answers, at least, uh, our guest today is Art Pedroza, a longtime friend of mine, began in politics together, uh, Art Pedroza, P-E-D-R-O-Z-A, has been living the American dream. Let's just focus on it directly. He came here with as a young boy from his parents were immigrants from Mexico. Uh, his father ended up uh, purchasing and, and owning a, uh, a maintenance and janitorial company. Art uh, started learning at an early age that there's a lot of strenuous work because he worked with his father's company. Uh, Then he uh, actually learned English together with his mother. And then, as I understand it, Art, and and you can fill these things in, by the third grade, he started winning spelling bees in his his school. So, good stuff. Yeah, they actually banned me in fourth grade. They they asked me not to participate anymore because I kept winning. (laughs) Well, I hope that you ignored that advice. But uh, so then he he went on to uh, teach at Cerritos College. He got an MBA before that, uh, and his state-approved apprentice program works so he could help people get jobs in public agencies. Also, a safety consultant. We can talk about that a little bit as well. But a certified OSHA general industry uh, outreach uh, instructor, including uh, teaches first aid and and. uh, and uh, CPR. So this guy really gets around hazardous waste as well. But the reason I know him and the reason most people do in Orange County, California, is that he has had a very successful blog. Uh, He did it was one of the first. Uh, I don't remember how long ago you did that. We can get into that as well. But you first had it's called Orange Juice blog, which was descriptive. And now, if I understand it correctly, you have a 
ocpoliticsblog.com. Uh, and you talk, uh, you can even, and I, I looked into it yesterday, and you have a button you can push to select a language. So I selected Croatian, of all things, and boom, <laughs> it was there. It was just amazing. Uh, I'm sure that you didn't develop that technology, but technology really is an amazing thing. So, so there's a lot to talk about. Art Pedroza is our guest. Art, welcome to All Rise, and uh, just give us a little bit more about your background. What a great intro, Judge. Thanks very much. Um, I think you nailed it. I think uh, some of the salient points there, my parents were from Mexico, and my mom still takes it real personal that, that Trump basically referred to Mexicans as criminals and whatnot. Uh, but my parents were hardworking, and I, I worked with my dad and his janitorial company. A uh, bit of a sidebar there, he really badly injured his back uh, early on before I was even born. Um, he had been able to collect enough money to buy a little uh, shop to fix cars. Uh, and like any thrifty employer, he had no employees, and he tried to pull a motor out of a truck with a chain and wow. threw his back out. So, uh, you know, many, many years later, I ended up working in occupational safety trying to help people not throw their backs out, and the circle has closed. Yes, indeed. Well, okay, uh, we met. I ran for Congress as a Republican back then, uh, and you were as well. I ran for Congress in 1998 uh, in the primary. I did not win. I was running against uh, uh, Bob Dornan at the time, and he was he was uh, renominated and then lost again to Loretta Sanchez. But you helped me in my campaign right. then. Uh, but uh, tell us a little bit about your family before we get into the to the politics stuff. I know that you, I believe you have three sons and one daughter. Brag a little, Art Perdoza. That's right. Uh, how are they doing? My daughter's uh, in New York and uh, was working in fashion design and has kind of moved into graphic design and is doing great. Uh, and uh, my oldest son lives up in the Bay Area and works at a camp for kids. He's a graduate of UCLA. Uh, my go, middle boy and my little go Bruins. Boy, I got to throw that in. So he's go not Bruins. that little. Uh, yeah, go Bruins. Absolutely. We love UCLA. Um, and uh, the middle son works as a security guard up the street for a big company. And, uh, and the little one is in high school in his last year and is trying to become a guitarist. He's really good. 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 That's a great deal. Well, okay, like me, as I said earlier, Art Pedrosa, you were formerly a Republican. You have evolved into a libertarian. Explain how that occurred. What what was the transformation? Uh, what what was it? Abrupt? Was it gradual? Uh, and what's the difference? It was definitely gradual. And I think what attracted a lot of us to the Republican Party, uh, the ideals of a smaller government and less taxes, over time we've all come to realize that never really happens under the Republicans. If you look at uh, President Trump's tenure, the, the debt has grown incredibly. Uh, the government hasn't shrunk much. And uh, and so we're still in the same fix. And, and regardless of whether the Red Party or the Blue Party are in the White House, uh, things don't seem to get better. So uh, what really, the two things that, that uh, ended up moving me to the GOP, or out of the GOP, was the stance on immigration. I had a real issue with that, that my parents being immigrants and living here in Santa Ana, which is a city with about 90% Latino with a lot of immigrants. I just thought that was a, a ridiculous stance. And and then the, the whole thing with homosexuals and whatnot, and I thought, come on, you know, they're not hurting anybody. And so the Libertarian Party was attractive. It's a party that, as you mentioned in the intro, uh, believes in freedom and people being able to live their lives as they please as long as they're not hurting anybody. 
And, uh, and we truly do have a platform where we are trying to cut uh, spending at the government and cut the size of the government. And, and I think those are, are values that more and more Americans now are starting to embrace. Art, you're aware, I'm sure, that I was fortunate and blessed to be the libertarian candidate for vice president back in 2012 with Governor Gary Johnson. And this time I was running in 2020 for the libertarian nomination for president. And I convinced a fellow who I deem as Mr. Libertarian, Larry Sharp from New York, and he was going to be my running mate had we gotten the nomination. But we had him on All Rise on October 23, just of this year. And he's just an amazing guy. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that he has come up with a program he calls Two Ellis Islands. And it's with regard to immigration. Your parents came here to pursue the American dream, to have a better life for themselves and for their children, for their family. Bless you. That's exactly what America stands for. And I share your thoughts with regard to Trump's uh, approach to this. But he said we could put in two private companies, call them Ellis Islands, maybe one in Texas, one in California, and then individual immigrants could go there and they could be screened, you know, for medical medical issues, mental health, criminal justice, even terrorist issues. Uh, and then they could get an orange card, for example, a work visa card, and then they could come into our country and then they could get a job. Uh, it, it, it was really, I would recommend that you go back and listen on October 23. I, I say that because, uh, uh, we're going. We're taping this. We're still in the middle of October, and this, but we're broadcasting this actually after the election. But but I, I think that you would find it to be fascinating and a libertarian approach to immigration that would keep control of our borders, but also open our gates to good people. I love it. That's a great plan, and 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 you nailed it. I think uh, we are talking about good people, and there is a lot of work. Uh, there's still many, many industries that are hurting for workers. Despite the pandemic and so many people being out of work, there's work a lot of Americans don't want to do. And that's where the immigrants really have a great value. Uh, and then over time, you hope that their families will uh, get educated and, and move on up the ladder, as I did, uh, yes. and find other opportunities. There's plenty of opportunity well, in this country. My goodness, Art, you mentioned your father threw his back out. You walk, go by strawberry fields when people are picking strawberries. Boy, my back hurts just to look at it. But uh, yes, you're right. People are here not to have welfare, not to take advantage. They're here to, to work hard, which most Hispanics do, and uh, to have a better life. I'm also really concerned that I saw, Art, uh, in September of this year, 2020, that Joe Biden's campaign for president as a Democrat set a record and raised $383 million for his campaign in one month. $383 million. And, and I'm and Trump was way, way back. He was about, a, you know, a few millions of dollars behind that. But we, we, it is so important, and I expect that you agree with this, it is so important to the Republicans to elect a Republican because if you do, the Republican president will give, give a lot of our tax money to their cronies, to their friends, to their political supporters. And it's equally important to the Democrats. They'll take our money as well. They'll give it to different people. But that's why those various people are so giving money, donating so much money because it matters financially to them. And libertarians yeah, are not you in nailed to, it. To give Both money. parties have uh, special interests to benefit financially from the parties, and there's there's no doubt of that. And and it's a big problem. And you know you love that about the libertarians. We don't have that. We don't have that problem. We're just trying to uh, help the people of this country. Maybe the only major party that, that is in that position. 
I say it often, and I'll say it again, Art Pedroso, that the Libertarians are the only mainstream party in our country today, because most voters really are Libertarian. They just don't know it. Libertarians do not want to control you. They don't want to govern your life. They want you to control your own life and your own destiny, as long as, of course, it's done peacefully. You're not defrauding other people and the rest of that. And and most people, when you talk to them, I'm sure people in our audience uh, here on All Rise think, oh, yeah, that's me. That's me. I don't want – but, but – uh, the, the R and the P, excuse me, the R and the D parties are just just different. But you do host a successful podcast. Uh, when did you begin? Give yourself a plug. Tell us about your podcast and uh, tell also so, with what the focus is and how people can participate. It's actually affiliated with our Santa Ana blog, and you mentioned our OSP politics. Our big blog now is actually our new Santa Ana blog. We average anywhere from five to 10,000 views a day, but our Facebook page has 34,000 followers and change. Uh, it's really an incredible success. And, uh, and so we started a podcast affiliated with that blog and really have focused, because we just started it, uh, like in September, on interviewing candidates for office here in Santa Ana. So it's been fun. It's on a, a website called Podbean, uh, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, and you can get that as an app on your phone. And if you look up uh, New Santa Ana there, you'll find the show. We've got a few interesting interviews, again, all with candidates. And we'll broaden that, I think, as time goes on, but we've been really focused on the election. Uh, this is the first time in the history of Santa Ana that we have ward-specific council elections. Uh, that's a trend you've seen in other cities. And so it, it's a big deal. And our mayor, um, Miguel Polito, is finally turning out after some 20 years in office. So Santa Ana has been a real focal point in politics this year here in Orange County. Well, we had Cecilia Iglesias on All Rise. That was broadcast uh, last March 13th of 2020. And she was the member of the city council that actually came out, and I'm sure you're aware of this, came out against uh, the police union's uh, attempts to have more and more funding for their pension plans and, and uh, make more and more money. And she said, wait a minute, we just don't have the money. And the police unions actually sponsored a recall election and had her recalled. Now she is running for mayor. Uh, tell us a little bit about Cecilia Iglesias, if you can, Art. Yeah, I actually uh, worked on her first uh, congressional campaign eons ago when she was an independent and have known her forever. I'm actually her webmaster for her campaign, and uh, I was one of a few individuals that uh, nudged her into running for mayor. Uh, and it, it's a sound uh, campaign based on the fact that all of her opponents are, are Democrats, save for two who aren't really running much of a campaign. So you have a massive vote split, and she's the only conservative uh, of any note on the ballot. Uh, so we could see her rebound from the recall and get elected. Wouldn't that be something? Well, you know, we believe in responsibility. And again, I, I mentioned this. You, you didn't know this, Art, but I became a granddaddy last uh, April 22nd. And uh, on April oh, 27th, just five days later, I found myself holding my little grandson, Hudson. I looked down at him and thought, my goodness, what a miracle baby, what a miracle child. And then the second thought that went through my mind, I hate to say, is that, well, with given the deficit, Hudson, you're $73,000 in debt, pay up. But we're the only ones that represent <laughs> young people. We're the only ones that speak out because we're going to saddle them with enormous debt. What is it? The federal budget deficit now is like $23 trillion, and I'm going to be fine, and so are you, very likely, but our children and grandchildren are really in trouble. Libertarians call attention to these things, uh, and, and I 
expect that Cecilia Iglesias will do the same thing as mayor of Santa Ana. Is that a focus for her and you? Absolutely. In fact, uh, the sad thing when she got recalled is they dismissed all her commissioners, and I was one of them. Uh, but she had a good group of commissioners, and we were all trying to do our level best to represent those ideals. And so if she gets uh, elected as mayor, I expect we'll all be back in our commissions again and get back to work trying to uh, fix the, the mess here in Santa Ana. Yes. Well, you're also involved, and of course we in, in uh, All Rise here talk about school choice a great deal. Uh, to explain to us what school choice means to you, Art, for our listeners, because I've done it a few times. They know my perspective. Uh, what is school choice? How important is it? What is it? Well, that issue is particularly important here in Santa Ana. We have a school district, Santa Ana Unified, that's gigantic. And if you look at the graduation rates and you look at the, the literacy rates and, and kids uh, uh, being capable of doing math at a high level, the numbers are deplorable. But fortunately, we have a lot of good charter schools here, and those are generally the best-performing schools. So when you talk about school choice, you know, parents in Santa Ana could put their kids in the failing public schools, or they can put them in, in one of the charter schools, which are public, but uh, don't have the, the union teachers involved and have their own management and leadership. And there's also private schools. You know, we have a lot of religious schools from the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church in this area. So school choice is all about parents being able to put their kids in the school that they want to put them in and hope that they'll get to college. And I think those are uh, important values that everybody in Santa Ana shares. That's why Stacey kept getting elected to the school board, because those those are things that matter to us. But when you look at the incumbents on the school board, uh, every single one of them is supported by the teachers' union. They all oppose school choice. They've been very much against the charter schools. In fact, the number one charter school we had was the High School for the Arts, and they chased them right out of the district. They had to switch to the Orange County District because they kept getting sued by the Santa Ana Unified. So it's a real train wreck. And uh, and this year we have a chance again to elect some new trustees, and I hope that, that some of the challengers will prevail because the incumbents, again, uh, they're just as you saw with the police union trying to control the city council, the teachers' union very much controls most of the school board in California. Yes, they do, and all around the country, uh, and they are. That's right. They're dis. It's disproportionate because who cares more about who is elected to the school board? Well, the teachers' unions do, so they will find candidates and support them. Uh, they get elected, and then they're beholden to the teachers' unions, knowing full well that if they don't give the teachers' unions what they want, uh, the teachers' union will support somebody else in the in the next election. So it's nobody's representing the taxpayer. I I, I view. It's Quite a racket, quite a racket indeed, and, and it doesn't well, make for good governance at all. No, it does not. Well, t- traditionally, and, and I don't mean to get into stereotypes here, Art, uh, and you certainly break them, but the Hispanics have not focused on education traditionally as much as I know they are more so now, but I also am on the board of directors of the Nicholas Academic Center, which is, it has oh, they several... Do good work mentoring, they mentor and they tutor high school children, high school students. And we had Rosa Diaz, who was the executive director, actually on All Rise on December 6th of 2019. Boy, was she enthusiastic. She was just a fireball. But she she said, and it's got my attention, Art, and would, would yours as well, that there's nothing special about me, that uh, I was raised to think, oh, you know, I'm kind of mediocre. But I went and got an 
inspiration at the Nicholas Academic Center, the mentoring, realizing, hey, I too can go to college. I too can succeed. So she did go to college. She went. She got the mentoring. She got the tutoring. She went to college, actually, back in Pennsylvania, and then got an MBA at uh, USC, and now she is the executive director. But I was nothing special, but now that I see my potential, look at what I've done. And so it's true that if you see the potential, it's kind of going back to uh, uh, Henry Ford, who was quoted as saying, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. If you realize your potential... Uh, that's a good but, point. Uh, it, okay, it, part of the problem is that so many of the immigrants that come here from South America don't have high levels of education, and they have to get to work right away, sometimes holding two jobs. And so the kids, uh, you know, they're not getting that direction from the parents or, or support. The parents are unable to help them that much with the homework or anything else. You know, you have people living in crowded conditions sometimes where there's not even a, a little desk for the kid to do their homework. It's really tough uh, conditions. But um, but that's the challenge, and I think, as you said, if we can inspire kids and, and you know, give them some direction, uh, they can succeed just as well as anybody else. And, and that's what you're seeing, uh, I think, more and more. Uh, I will tell you in Santa Ana that the percentage of the population with uh, an MBA or higher is only 3%, so we've got a ways to go. Well, truly, but but at least it's on the increase. I, I, I see, uh, and certainly the Nicholas Academic Center has, has spurred that forward. But but do you see this as well, that the uh, Hispanic population now is more focused upon education, understanding that, uh, my goodness, if you get just a high school degree, I, I mentioned this in Americans All, my musical, that if you get a high school degree, you're, you're likely to earn twice as much over your lifetime as you would if you don't. And if you go to college, you'll double that yet again. And it isn't, it's not just money, but it's interesting work and the rest of this. Realize your potential. So you empower the parents to choose where their government money is going to be spent for, their, for the education of their children. And we've asked this a lot on All Rise too. and you're into school choice, Art Pedroza, I know. So who is in a better position to understand and decide how and where your child should be educated, you as the parent or the government. And I've never had anyone come out and say, oh, the government knows better. It just isn't true. <laughs> are, are, are you seeing this? Well, you nailed it. The, the government really are... knows better, and the, the government can really do anything better than, than the rest of us. And you, you can point to so many examples uh, of, of poor governance. Um, I've been cracking up lately here in my neighborhood. They're spending a fortune to redo the pavement, the sidewalk, at a time when the city's completely broke. Where the heck is this money coming from? And seriously, that was a top priority. I mean, that, that's the problem with the government. They, they're really good at blowing money, and it really doesn't make any sense. Well, they respond politically. Uh, we've seen that with the COVID virus as well. That is, they pre respond arbitrarily, and they've closed some places. You're mentioning some of the of the Hispanic children don't barely have a desk at home to work on. But if you close the elementary schools, they're going to be behind. They're not going to get that virtual. They probably many of them don't have computers that will do the deed uh, or the internet access and the rest. You've got to reopen the schools. Uh, and well, it's, I a think good, it's a good point, and you know, kids don't generally succumb. The problem is it can be carriers, so you know you have to have the usual controls in place. Uh, but those controls have been developed by private industry now. Uh, my employer, like so many other ones, you know, if I'm going to go to the office, I got to check my temperature, I got to fill out a wellness form. You know, so there's ways to manage this, but just shutting everything down hasn't been a great solution. 
And and I'll tell you, the, the school districts give out computers. My son, I moved him to the Tustin Unified School District. It's a better district. They gave him a computer, and it's terrible. Unfortunately, we have the money that, you know, we all have our own computers here. And so he uses the one I bought him. But um, rarely uh, are the schools able to, to manage this problem correctly. And, and you have an entire generation of kids uh, that are going to suffer because well, yeah. of this pandemic and the way it's been managed. You just do, and it's almost irreversible. If you miss those years, miss those months, uh, the interaction, the in-place in learning. And, you know, we, we see this. You mentioned you took your children to the Tustin School. You have school choice. People that are wealthier, I That's did the right. same thing when I moved to Orange County. We moved to Irvine. One reason, because they had really better schools. And even in Newport mm-hmm. Beach, uh, we sent our son now to private school. And that uh, because we have that ability, but in the lower economic areas, you don't. And so usually, too, well, I've found good, that good that's where the poorer teachers end up in the lower economic areas because they can get away with it. Because if, if I had a poor that's teacher, that's right. And I'll tell you, in Santa Ana, the school district makes it very hard to transfer your kids out of district. Yeah, I know what I'm doing, and my wife knows what she's doing. So we, you know, we got it done. But other families have given up because they've yes. been blocked by the school district. So. Uh, there again, you know, the, the government's protecting itself. I, I fear that's right, and it's an unnecessary tragedy. We must have school choice. Uh, can you? Well, well, we'll come back from our break in a, in a moment, but I'm going to ask you, Art Pedrosa, uh, in your wisdom, have you ever seen an a, opportunity, a time in which the government ended up in the marketplace, interfering in the marketplace, when prices did not really go way up and quality of goods and services did not go really way, way down? We've seen that in healthcare. We've certainly seen that in education. It pretty much that anytime the government gets involved in the marketplace. So we're going to come back after these messages and uh, talk more libertarian politics with Art Pedroza, who is a reformed Republican, just like your host Jim Gray is, uh, and really appreciates and puts into effect those libertarian values of choice, of responsibility, of live and let live. Don't tread on me. Well, don't tread on anybody. Just be able to to live your life and uh, get away from this victimization. Roll up your sleeves just like he and his parents have and make make something of yourself pursuing the American dream. So that's my view. Let's come. Let's listen to a couple of other messages. We'll come back and talk to our esteemed guest, Art Pedroza. Stay with us. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Libertarian Party is the third largest political party in the United States, and it's more successful than ever. We don't just talk the talk of individual liberty and free markets. We also walk the walk. Libertarian Party candidates are getting elected to office across the United States, and we are making a difference. The Libertarian Party is also the only third party that routinely has ballot access in every state. Our achievements and influence grow every year, and you can be part of that success. 
You can register as a Libertarian Party voter in your state to help us achieve easier ballot access. You can also visit lp.org today to become a member of the Libertarian Party, no matter which party you register with. Join the Libertarian Party today at lp.org. Together, we can move mountains. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. We are Americans You are listening to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, back to All Rise. Well, welcome back. This is Judge Jim Gray again, as promised or or (laughs) as maybe threatened. But but we are here at All Rise to discuss issues. Uh, We discuss things that we should be able in our society to talk about anything. A religion, politics, sex, uh, whatever, we should, without yelling at each other, without taking these as threats because you disagree with me, so you must be evil, which is kind of what we've come into today in our world. But before we come back to our guest, Art Pedroza, who has a great deal of insight in local politics as well as state and national, uh, my wife, as you remember, uh, many of our listeners, has asked me to inject a little at least intentional silliness. This is usually where I do it. So I saw a public sign. It said, unfortunately, there is no lifeguard in the gene pool. So, okay, no lifeguard in the gene pool, and I think that that's pretty much right. Uh, The other silliness, and this is a lot easier to envision if you're reading it instead of listening to it, but you get, when you get two egoists involved together, it's an eye for an eye. Only I is just the letter I, so it's an I for an I with egoists. But at any rate, I didn't get the obligatory chuckle from my guest, and I, maybe it was the delivery. But, I, I'm uh, fighting what, back laughter. I thought those were great. Good, good dad were, tech jokes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> were, were, were you laughing with me or at me? But no, no, I'll, I'll I was definitely that. laughing with you. Let me <laughs> tell you, my kids uh, I crack up on my jokes, so uh, those are great. Good okay. point. So... So I was asking you, Art, before we went on the break, uh, can you think of any time in which the government, any government, has gotten into the marketplace where the prices did not go up and the quality of goods and services did not go down? You've had a couple of minutes to ponder that. Can you come up with any of them? Boy, it's a tough one. You know, uh, the problem, I think, when when you're looking at the government sector is there's the employees have very little reason to excel in their work. They're protected. You almost have to kill somebody to get fired. And so you just don't get the, the results. Uh, I thought I read an article recently uh, where um, some families in, in uh, communist Russia were allowed years ago to, to have their own little farms. And before long, they were outproducing the government farms like by 300%. Uh, that's what liberty does. Uh, when you're in charge of your destiny, you work harder. And, and it's very hard for the government to replicate that. There are places where the government has uh, an important role to play, uh, and I think public safety, as libertarians, will agree that we've got to keep people safe. Um, that doesn't mean starting wars all over the world, 
But uh, but there is a role, for example, that uh, is uh, in the pandemic. You know, there's a role for doctors uh, in the government to try to help us. I don't think the government managed that too well. But uh, here and there, you pick your spots where you need some government. But as libertarians, we realize that for the most part, we need to do for ourselves or let private industry weigh in and and not overly rely on the government because you're not going to generally get very good results. Well, an example I use, Art, is SpaceX. Recently, this past year, put up some astronauts to the space station at one-tenth of the cost that NASA spent. And you get into that because they had an incentive to keep the cost down. And there was an engineer that worked with NASA who was saying, well, I too could tried to come up with a way that, remember the first booster rocket, that they were actually able to bring that back, landing on a barge at sea. I mean, the technology was amazing, but then you could reuse it. And I had the idea, I was going to do it, but no, the contractors dealing with NASA said, we don't want to save money because we are on a cost plus basis. So we get 10% of whatever the costs are for our profits. So if we increase the cost, we increase our profits. No incentive to the cost lower. But that's, that's really what I see in government. They respond politically. They do not respond financially. Well, and the private sector has their own controls in place. I work for a huge insurance carrier. Let me tell you, in business insurance, the insurance carriers play a huge role. They don't let their clients get away with crazy, unsafe operations. They'll yank their insurance. You know, you, you don't need as much government interference because, believe me, there's not a business in this country that's going to be happy if they lose their insurance. And so there's, there's already controls in place in private industry to keep us safe. And, yes, and that's indeed. where we need to look more so than the government. Well, and in, well, you sure convinced me, Art Pedroza. I was on the fence before you said that, but uh, now I, I've come across the, your point of view. Uh, so oh, what sure. do you believe, from, from a libertarian standpoint, from a father standpoint, from a patriot standpoint, Art Pedroza, what do you think are the three most important issues facing our great country today? And uh, what do you see the libertarian approaches to them? Uh, don't cheat on me now. I've already mentioned immigration, <laughs> so you can't, you can't do that. And school choice is already well, addressed, too. Without a doubt, I mentioned the pandemic. That, that's clearly the biggest issue because of the effect it's had on the economy. There's so many families out of work. Uh, you know, on my blog, I've been regularly publishing the, the food giveaways the cities coordinating with charities. Uh, it's a miserable time, but we've got to get a handle on the pandemic. And I think when you look at other countries and how they've managed it, uh, we really did a poor job there. Uh, shutting everything down turned out not to be a great solution. You really needed to sequester people that were at higher risk, the elderly, people with comorbidities, and keep them safe. The rest of us should have just put on our masks and gone about our work. Uh, again, private industry has developed all kinds of standards now for workplaces, and it's working. I, again, I'm in that industry. I look at those the injury rates, and they are dropping because companies have finally adapted controls uh, with some prodding from the CDC, but largely on their own and with insurance carriers helping them. But the pandemic is definitely number one. Uh, and then right behind it, and kind of a, a related issue, the economy. Uh, it was going so well before the pandemic. It's a train wreck now, and uh, and that's not good. Uh, and, and dovetailing with that, you know, the government relies on tax revenue. Well, with so many companies either shuttered or not doing well, uh, tax revenue is dropping. So deficits all over the place from local to federal levels are, are ballooning. And what are they doing? 
they're spending millions fixing sidewalks. I mean, it's crazy. So the government's not tearing back and they, they need to. Uh, I think yeah, otherwise we're all going to be in a real uh, problem trying to compete with other countries that are uh, being managed better at this point. So uh, I think those are definitely three areas. Uh, in I guess if we had to give President Trump some credit, he has kept us out of additional wars, which I appreciate. Hasn't brought the troops home yet. Uh, I'm not sure any president ever will. Do you ever think, this is changing the subject a bit, Art, do you ever see a president announcing, hey, the war on terror is now over. We don't need to be, we don't need still to be in war. We have our presidents, both Democrats and Republicans, as well as mayors and governors, tread in fear. They, they make progress, and you see that all the time in today's presidential election. They're, they're countenancing, keeping the voters in fear, keeping them scared. Do you ever think that a president will announce, hey, okay, we're going to recall the, the Patriot, so-called Patriot Act because w- the, there's no longer a war on terror? Do you ever see that ever happening politically? The only way that'll happen is if we elect the libertarian. <laughs> so, uh, otherwise, no. I think the red and blue parties are very much invested in in war and in warfare and in uh, quote unquote national security, and they're not going to pare back uh, whatsoever. Uh, interesting point about terrorism. Uh, just about everything that happened to us was because of the United States involvement in the Middle East. We shouldn't have been there in the first place, and had we not been there, very likely we never would have been targeted by the terrorists. So, you know, we brought it on ourselves, and we still haven't learned. Well, we had a man named Scott Horton on All Rise. I'm trying to see when he was with us. He wrote a book that is called A Fool's Errand, and he said, and I I didn't know this before, he got a lot of quotes in his book, that the CIA somehow lured this then Soviet Union to to invade Afghanistan, and it was the beginning of the end for the Soviet Union, uh, and of course Afghanistan is tribal. They don't like, it. the tribes don't like each other. The only thing that unites them is when you have a foreign invader coming in to occupy you. Well, guess who the invader is now? But Actually, Osama bin Laden, of course, was from Saudi Arabia and very wealthy family. Uh, He could care less about the United States. But like you said, Art, he did not like the United States being involved with Saudi Arabia, with involved in the Muslim areas. And so he lured us into Afghanistan the same way that the CIA supposedly lured the Soviet Union there. And we're still there. Do you know what the goals are today for our for our troops, what are our goals today? Our troops are still in Afghanistan. What are they fighting for? What are the goals? And well, there aren't any that I and, know and of. The so. sad thing is, once you pull those troops out, you know that proxy government is going to fall within a week or two. So it's all for nothing. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. We never should have gone there. Uh, you know the saying, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Well, that was us. And and so here we are following in the footsteps, uh, not just the Russians, but historically the British failed there, the French. No one has ever conquered that area. Uh, as you mentioned, those tribes are unconquerable, and they want their freedom too. And so it's just a, a hot mess. And, and really, the more we delay, we're just costing more American lives and wasting trillions of dollars on something that's doomed to fail. And Afghan lives as well, which are also, of course, important. But but let's go back. You said the economy, Art. Uh, I led the question was, what are the libertarian approaches to them? And you, and you did. You talked about the COVID uh, 
food giveaways. That's the private sector in a lot of ways and the economy. But are you going to allow me as, for example, I have a hardware store? Well, no, I don't, but I do for the purposes of this question. But I've been closed down because I'm de deemed by our governor not to be an essential store. So what happens? My customers then go to Home Depot and buy my my uh, hardware there. Well, it's more dangerous probably for to getting contracting the virus at Home Depot because they have more people. So let me as the as the owner advertise, look, I've put in a filtration system. We're going to take your temperature before you come in. My employees as well as my customers, we're going to socially distance. Is that what you is that what you believe would have been and should have been the libertarian response to this whole COVID-19 Art Pedroza? Absolutely. And as I mentioned, the only people that should have held up in their homes should have been the elderly and people with comorbidities. Those are the people we know uh, do very poorly when they get ill. Uh, the rest of us could have used those types of controls and, and society could have continued to function. Now, the sad thing is all those businesses that are shuttered and failing, uh, who's benefiting from that? Well, with a giant Amazon is growing at their expense. And those businesses, a lot of them, are not coming back. It's very sad. Uh, you're going to see uh, just a, a slew of bankruptcies, and you've seen that already with giant retailers, but it, it, this is really uh, going to approach the levels we saw in the Depression eventually. So many jobs lost, so many careers lost, and, and really for nothing. Well, it, well, it's true. But if you're interfering between the lessor and the lessee, between the the homeowner and the, the renter, uh, then you're going to cause, you, you keep using the word train wreck, and I guess that's what I'll use as well, because they're not going to be able, they're not going to negotiate, because, okay, I don't have to pay my rent now for six months or whatever, uh, but it's not forgiven. That means I will owe six months rent seven months from now. I'll be out of work. I'll be out of business. Same thing with the, the homeowner. They probably have a mortgage to pay. They're not getting any money. So you, if you interfere in that relationship, you deprive both sides of being able to negotiate. Hey, homeowner, my renter, uh, I can't pay $1,500 a month, but I will for the, for the foreseeable future. I can pay you $900 a month. Would that be okay? Sure. I'd rather get 60% of something instead of 100% of nothing. But the government interfering is going to cause all kinds of disasters, both for renters and for owners. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Every stone you throw is going to have ripples. And in this case, uh, you have renters not paying their rent. The poor landlord still has to pay the bank the mortgage. Uh, he's still got to pay for his insurance. Uh, so it's an it's absolute disaster uh, for everybody involved. And again, if he hadn't have closed everything down, people could have continued to pay their rent. They would have been working. Uh, so we really didn't manage this thing well. You know, the Democrats were pushing for more federal intervention. Uh, that wasn't the solution either. Uh, I, I think what we needed was maybe some direction, which the CDC eventually provided, but too late in the game. And so now, uh, really, you just have a, a complete mess. So very little of this will be able to be fixed. And, and there's going to be lifelong repercussions for a lot of people. Just, just a, a terrible, terrible tragedy. Yes. Okay, so you're really a boots-on-the-ground person, Art. You're aware of the uh, all these trite sayings, but the, the 
the pulse of Santa Ana, uh, Hispanic areas. There is a cancel culture. And I tell you, if you say something that others don't agree with, uh, they're going not to discuss it. They're going to start calling you names or they're going to start tearing down your statues or whatever the equivalent would be. What do you see with regard to the cancel culture from your position in Santa Ana, boots on the ground? Well, yeah, and you open the show with a quote from Thomas Jefferson, and there's another one whose statues are being torn down, despite all the things he did to help this country get its start. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, it's awful. You know, when you look back at history, you have to look back at history within the context of those times. It's a simple solution. But again, people forget history, and so they, uh, they're judging uh, people from the past by today's standards, and that's totally unfair and, and really uh, damaging. Uh, and that's what you're seeing. Now, free speech, I think, has really taken a hit lately because whatever you do or say, uh, there's terrible repercussions. Uh, you're even seeing this in Hollywood where the director of the very successful Guardians of the Galaxy movies, uh, which feature Marvel Comics characters, got fired for some tweet from 20 years ago. But I love what happened there. He went to the rival DC Comics and made their next uh, big movie. <laughs> and then Marvel had to hire him back. So, you know... That was a good outcome, but uh, cancel culture is very damaging, and you're seeing here in Santa Ana where uh, this is coming up in the election that's uh, been ongoing, uh, and both sides of every campaign are hurtling things at each other. You mentioned Cynthia Iglesias. The police union has been sending out mailers uh, with her where they photoshopped her with President Trump uh, to try to destroy her, so it's just terrible. She has nothing to do with President Trump, but... Uh, but they're trying to you know, bring her down uh, without focusing on the issues, but just making stuff up, which is sad. Well, I have run for office. Uh, in fact, you helped me run for Congress. That didn't work. So then I ran as a libertarian for Senate. That didn't work. I ran for vice president. That didn't work. I've run for president. That didn't work either. So maybe all I can do is run for king now. Would, would you help me, Art? Uh, I think that's the only thing left. <laughs> Sign me up. Oh, look, okay. I'm in the same boat. Um, I've run for office many times, and, and really I've, I've come to the conclusion I must prefer helping other candidates. I think I'm working with at least six candidates right now. Good. So I must prefer that. Uh, and, and it's part of the reason I created the New Santa Ana blog. We're able to set the issues, set the tone, um, using the power of the press. And one thing about bloggers, we never run out of ink. And, uh, and I think that has an impact. It's an important impact and, and it's really a better role for me than running for office. Well, the, my watch, among others, word is that it's our government, and if it's not working, we have no one to blame but ourselves. That we have, It's our obligation, go back to Thomas Jefferson, go back to, to others. Uh, and Thomas Sowell, who is a gifted economist, uh, one time was quoted, I, I, he spells his name S-O-W-E-L-L, -L, but in a lot of ways it should be spelled S-O-U-L, but he said that we're today expecting people to apologize for things that happened before they were born, but not having people apologize or be responsible for their own arson and their own looting. I mean, it's just, we're, we're into a crazy situation. We need the rule of law. We've lost the rule of law and people's confidence in the rule of law. But what do you see, Art Pedroza? You're a libertarian now. Uh, what do you see as the future of the libertarian party in this country? Uh, and uh, what, what, where, where are we? Because 
we have been in existence for something on the order of 50 years now. We started basically 1970. We're still not electing. There's one libertarian member of Congress, uh, Justin Amash. He was elected as a Republican and then changed over to libertarian. But we're not electing people to national office or really to the state houses either. Why not? Because we do have the answers. It does work. What is your view as to why libertarians have not elected more people to higher offices? Well, I think when you go back and, and look at what we talked about earlier, uh, the special interest, you know, we're not in bed with them, and so it's very difficult to get the finances. But the great leveler of the playing field is uh, social media. And, and you're seeing uh, that libertarians are using that very effectively. Young people are more apt to pay attention to YouTube and, and, and uh, Twitter than they are printed media. Uh, direct mail is no longer very effective for campaigns, so libertarians have the opportunity. And if there's one thing I've noticed in our party, a lot of the young people coming up in, in the libertarian party are very creative and very technically astute. And so we have, uh, I think, the ability to communicate. And one thing that was very encouraging, the first debate between Trump and Biden was so horrible that Jorgensen's website, the libertarian candidate, crashed with so many people searching for her and hitting on it. People are looking for options, and this election, I think, is one that's going to really help our party because Biden and Trump are just deplorable, and so finally Americans are starting starting to look for something else, and we're that something else. Well, and we are, and that's, that's certainly my view. I also define it, and see if you agree with this, that... And Thomas Sowell, again, a brilliant man, said that the first rule of economics is scarcity. That is, there's never enough quality goods and services to meet the demand. The first rule of politics is to ignore the first rule of economics. And I think that's right. And and libertarians actually respect the first rule of economics, not the first rule of politics. So we're seen as kind of elitists or, or survival of the fittest. No, we believe in acting in your own economic self-interest because that's what gets things to work. And, uh, but well, you, you remember the Cold War with the Gorbachev that came here and was amazed at, at the variety of food in the supermarkets here in the country? Yes. And in fact, he was what? quoted, in fact, I I don't know, maybe it was even back as far as Khrushchev. I'm older than you are, but he was he said, been, what, yeah. what the Soviet Union needs is more generals. And we looked at him, Nixon looked back, and what do you mean? Well, we need General Motors, General Mills, General you know, Electric. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was pretty much right. That you, Have you ever seen any particular quality products coming out of Russia or the Soviet Union other than vodka uh, and oil? But they do not, they do not create because that system is basically back in the comparison between SpaceX and NASA. You know, it's run by the government. You just lose those incentives. So we libertarians have to do a better job at defining ourselves, don't you think? I think so. And I think that, again, this election is going to provide us that platform. Look, no matter who wins, whether it's Trump or Biden, the results are going to be horrible. And so, again, we'll have four more years to push our platform. Uh, towards the next election. And so it's incremental growth, I suppose. But I, I do think the future is going to be rosier for us just because the red and blue parties are doing such a terrible job. Yes, indeed. Uh, we should... I, I wanted, when I was running for the nomination, to uh, 
focus on maybe three or four or five small states and actually make progress there. And I'm not sure which ones could have been New Hampshire or Montana, Alaska. They're independent minded and try to win one. Try to. And then when they have these telecasts on at night and you see the red states and the blues, wait a minute, there's a gold state. Over. Oh, that was libertarian. And, and start building. <laughs> Building on that, I think the answer, uh, Judge Gray, is we need to focus on local races because when you're running for city councils and school boards, they're ostensibly nonpartisan. Let's get our people elected to those seats. Because of term limits, the uh, higher level seats in the Assembly and the Senate and the state legislatures, those open up as people term out. And then, well, here comes somebody who has uh, a pedigree from local office. You saw that with Supervisor uh, Jeff Hewitt. Uh, who was able to get elected to a county board of supervisors out in the Inland Empire after serving on the city council. He's our only libertarian elected at that level in California, I believe. And um, what a great guy he is. But he is a, an example of how we can succeed. Win at the local level and then work your way up. Well, we interviewed Jeff Hewitt on this All Rise show on October 4th of 2019, and he is, he is a star. And, and, and like you say, you get someone like that in office, then they start showing people how responsibility can, can uh, attract. And well, I want more people like that. I want Jeff Hewitt now to be in the assembly, like you say. Let's get more people into city council that are libertarians, and, and, and I believe That's that. That's how you do it. Well, and in fact, that's right. Uh, we still should have the Joe Jorgensons of this world uh, running for, for higher office, too. But, but that's oh, she's on the ground. And, uh, you know, uh, I was able to FaceTime live her, her uh, speech the other day in Anaheim when you and I had lunch there. And uh, a lot of people saw that. Uh, it was fantastic. I, I had relatives watching it who had never shown an interest in our party. But what a great uh, leader she's been in our party and uh, done such a great job uh, explaining our platform. Uh, exactly what we needed, I think, and, and I think the the effort she's putting in will help us for many years. Well, we need to be in the debates, and of course, that's completely controlled by the Republicans and Democrats. The so-called Commission on Presidential Debates is—it's a rigged game, and you know it's hard to be that's viable horrible. if you're not a part of those debates. But but. Art Pedroza, thank you for being with us. We're, we're wrapping up our hour. It's flown by. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, are you optimistic about the, about the future for the Libertarian Party and our country? I am optimistic about the future of the Libertarian Party. Uh, I think our country is in a lot of trouble. Uh, but if things get bad enough, perhaps people will finally uh, reach for another option, and, and I hope that the Libertarian Party will be that option. Uh, so perhaps all the problems going on now will help us finally uh, be able to vault in, into higher positions. Uh, so I do think eventually our party is going to succeed. We just got to keep at it. It can be very discouraging, but uh, but we got to keep at it because uh, we're doing the right thing and we have the right values. And I think this is what the, the United States needs. Well, so do I. Art, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us and your time with us. Uh, as we say on All Rise, yes, there's a lot of bad things going on in the world, but there are a lot of good things, too, and we should focus on those, focus on our commonalities, dig in, roll up your sleeves, help good candidates get elected, and bring back responsibility to Santa Ana, to Orange County, California, and Shutter, even the rest of our country, because uh, we, we really have it within us. We've lost from our roots a bit. Let's get back to it. So that's what we talk about here on All Rise. Please join us again next week or on demand for any of these past shows, if you wish. Uh, and I will end this segment like I always do, like saying, life is good. Why do I say that? Because it truly is. Enjoy. See you next week. 
Thanks for listening today. All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray can be heard every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We know you'll want to join us again next week and tell your friends that help is on the way. Strengthen my thoughts that help us control.